I don't know what it would be, how many years ago it would be, Ethel Waters used to sing on the Billy Graham evangelistic television programs. She's a black lady. I want to show her, I'm going to have her sing for you this morning. And she's going to sing, His Eye is on the Sparrow. His Eye is on the Sparrow. And she'll tell you, she'll tell us this morning that if his eye is on the sparrow, then as the hymn writer said, I know he watches me, right? I know he's watching me. And she is just one of the most beautiful ladies you ever met in your life. So let's uh, listen to her and I'll talk a little bit about her afterwards. Let's listen to Ethel Waters. You know... First of all, I got to share this applause with them children. Didn't they really sing that piece? Now give it to them. (laughs) And you know why they could sing it? Because he lives. And he lives within them. You know, 18 years ago this month, 1957 to be exact, in the old Madison Square Garden, I... Ethel Waters, a 380-pound decrepit old lady, rededicated her life to Jesus Christ. And boy, because he lives, just look at me now. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm modeling for him. I look good, and I know it. (laughs) But I tell you, because he lives and because my precious child, Billy, gave me the opportunity to stand there 18 years ago and sing at the old Madison Square Garden, his eyes on the sparrow, I thank God for that privilege 18 years later to still be able to say, with the help of these children, his eye is still on all us sparrows. All right, children, sing it. Yes, it is. Discouraged, or why should the shadows come? Why should my heart, my heart be lonely away, away from heaven and home? When Jesus is, he's my portion, my constant, oh, my constant friend, my friend is he. For if his eyes, If his eye is on 
A sparrow, just think of it, a sparrow? Then I know, I really know, he watches me, he watches me, his eye is on. children I know and how mom knows on Mother's Day that he watches we and I I think we made a mistake by not playing that before the children went down. I think the children should watch that. You can download that at home and you can play that on your TV at home. You can play that for your children, your grandchildren. Let them watch it. Let them get to know Ethel Waters. So if someone asks, do you know the name Ethel Waters? They'll say, I know who she is. Ethel's mother had every reason, even by the most conservative interpretations concerning abortion. Ethel's mother had every reason to be able to abort Ethel before she was born because her birth was occasioned under very difficult and uh, violating circumstances. And yet it would be difficult to find a more precious gift to the body of Christ and to the world than Ethel Waters. So we have to really, really look carefully at things and reevaluate things. His eye is on the sparrow. 
I had a little email that came in to me this morning, and I'm going to show you a, show you a little p- image of the email that came in. The first one, Pat, if you'd put that up for us. And it came came in a family search email. I kind of have been using that site for doing research on ancestry over the years, and I have used it numerous times. And so whenever there's a birthday coming up in a month of people that are in this family tree, then I'll get an email saying so-and-so is, we have a information on your ancestor. And so this one came in. It says, uh, it says, talking about my ancestor says her story lives on. We found your grandmother's headstone. Discover her story and, and uh, attach what you find to your family tree for generations to come. And then the name is Ellen Letitia Simons. And Ellen Letitia Simons was born, I believe it's February 10th. Am I right, Pat? So her birthday was this month, February 10th. And she passed away at 84 years. And with all the difficult circumstances surrounding her entrance into the world and the difficult family that she grew up within, I'm talking now about Ethel, or about uh, Ellen, not Ethel. She became one of those gifts to the body of Christ and gifts to the world, gifts to our family to be certain. But I thought that was kind of interesting how that all came in kind of this morning on my email, and I wanted to show that to you. And then there's another picture that came in. And this one is the headstone. So it says, My grandma's headstone, remembering relatives who died in the month of February. Not only was she born in this month, but she died in this month. And so it tells us where she's buried, and it shows us a picture of the headstone and gives her name, Ellen Letitia Simons, 1889 to 1973. Now, if I don't know my relationship to her, I can click on View Relationship and it'll tell me. But I don't need to do that because I know she's grandma. So they've already told me at the top she's my grandma. So in any event, there's one thing that characterizes and I think unites, even though circumstances are very different between Ethel Waters and Ellen Letitia Simons. But the one thing that they both have, had, both had, both have, is the love of God that just sort of permeates out through their life. So marvelous and so wonderful. And we thank the Lord for for each of them. I'm going to read with you this morning a passage in 1 John. Thank you, Pat. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, if you'd like to find that. And, I'm, and read it along with me and we'll just kind of comment as we as we do this. There's so many things we could talk about this morning. So many things have been happening in the past week that uh, we spoke a little bit about this terrible virus that is circulating through the world, beginning in China, coronavirus. We talked a little bit about that. A lot of things have happened in the past week with regard to that, and those likely will continue to occur going forward for quite some time. I'm not going to talk about it this morning. Another thing we could talk about this morning is very, very important, was a deal of the century, it's called, the deal of the century, which involves uh, partitioning of Palestine or Israel or the Holy Land. And this came out last week as Donald Trump's 
plan for the partitioning of what they call Palestine. And so you'd have a Palestinian state and also an Israeli state, state of Israel, which already exists. And so that uh, the Holy Land would be divided. And there's a plan and a map, very detailed map in terms of how it might be divided. And so on. And that occurred this past week. And that's very, very interesting. And it's, it's interesting to me to listen to various people and how they deal with this and how they try to interpret this. And even some prominent Bible teachers who are thinking this is probably a good idea and this is really a magnanimous plan. Well, chances of this actually finding fruition is... Have you ever heard the expression between zero and none? Have you ever, have you ever taken time... I'm not going to do this this morning. Have you ever taken time to look at this whole subject from the Palestinian point of view? I know that's not fashionable to say that because we all look at it from the Israeli point of view, which is very important to do. But also to try to understand why would the Palestinian people be so opposed to anything and everything and any kind of a partition, any kind of a plan that divides up what we call the Holy Land that divides it up and offers a state of Israel and a state for the Palestinians and they're opposed to it. Why? If you do an interview with the people on the street in the West Bank or within Gaza, you'll find because they want all of it. They want all of it because all of it belongs to them. And they have all these reasons for believing that it all belongs to them. And that the Jews have come in and have taken that which belongs to them. Now that's what they believe. And they have been taught that from infancy and they believe it fervently and so to try to persuade them that they should take 45% or 40% of what belongs to them would be the same thing as far as their thinking is concerned as someone stealing your property and then offering you 45% of it after they would take the 65 or whatever it might be. And you might say, well, I'm just not going to go along with that because it all belongs to me and they stole it from us. Well, that's the way they're taught. The Palestinians believe it and they're taught that way. And if you go back and you look at the different bodies of information, you'll find that they have a lot of people in agreement with them. But then there's another, the other point of view. You'll find many, of course, who look at it from a very different perspective. Well, we could talk about that this morning, but we're not. Not going to talk about that this morning. I want to maybe talk with you a little bit this morning about something that's more basic than that, more fundamental than that. And so I want to read with you from 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 15. There are many other things in the news that we could talk about, and they're very important things. But I would like to say before I move into this passage that this year, 2020, I think we all know this, kind of sense this. If your spiritual antenna is up, and by spiritual I mean that in you that communicates with the spirit of truth, the spirit of God, the spirit of the Lord, that is informed in your spirit. See, a lot of times you'll know things in your spirit if you're in fellowship and communion with the spirit of Jesus. You will know things, and your intellect may not have been fully informed on them yet. But residing within you is a um, is a place 
that knows, a realm that knows. And so then when you hear something, you're able to assess the validity or the truthfulness of it because of the communion you have in your spirit with the spirit of the Lord. And it's very important that nothing be permitted to injure that or to endanger that or to render that um, inoperative because that's the key to things. That's the key to, to discernment. And my, my concern, of course, is at a very deep and fundamental level is that we in the body of Christ, we who call ourselves Christians and believers and followers of Jesus, are in danger of having that realm in us shrink to a place of inactivity so that we don't even sometimes know it's there and can't depend upon it and don't know how to discern things and don't have that within us that resonates with the truth when we hear it and also resists the error when we hear it. How do you know? How do you discern things? How do you know what truth, what is true and what isn't? See, this is deep within you, in your spirit, if you are a believer in Jesus, born again by the power of God, by his word. Then there is that realm. It is that realm. It is out of that realm that Ethel Waters communicates and sings. It's out of that realm that the preacher preaches. It's out of that realm that the teacher teaches. It's out of that realm that the prophet prophesies and that the evangelist evangelizes. It's out of that realm. And it's out of that realm that the believer walks and lives in this world and walks in the spirit and not in his own flesh. It's out of that realm. And there are certain fundamental things then that must be adhered to as a believer so as not to threaten the legitimacy of that realm. That realm is intended to grow and develop and expand so that the gifts of the Spirit come forth from that realm. The genuine pneumaticos, gifts of the Holy Ghost, come forth out of that realm. To the extent we don't see them in operation very often, it's because there's something in that realm that is deficient. There's so many people, believers, just you can rub shoulders every day that in Christ Jesus there is a plan and a purpose for the individual's life. That pertains to you and me. There's so much more, for example, if I permit me to use myself, there's so much more that is in the plan of the Lord for me than I even know about. And that's true of you. And because Jesus tasted death for every person means that he is invested in every person and he has a plan and a purpose for every person. So let me ask you to turn that now, that whole realm of thought over to the little ones that Ethel Waters was so lovingly singing with and about this morning. His eyes on the sparrow. So if his eyes on the sparrow, you know, she said he watches we, she said, you know, he know he watches we. And he's watching all you little children. You could just you could just reach out and and take that love, couldn't you, from her? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And we'd like to see these little ones grow and come into a right relationship with Jesus 
at the earliest possible moment of their life, right? We'd like to see mom and dad live an example before them that is an example of the loveliness of Jesus. Grandma and grandpa, mom and dad, setting an example. Those individuals in their life that mean the most to them of everybody and or during those early years, the ones that mean the most to them is mom and dad, grandma and grandpa. And they have space for grandmas and grandpas on both sides of their family. They have these little compartments. They have these little rooms inside them for all those genuine, legitimate people whom God has placed in their lives. They have a place for it, reserved for. And those individuals, then, it's incumbent upon those individuals to set that kind of example for them to follow because at some point, pretty soon, they're going to have to choose. And they start choosing very early on. They start choosing. They begin choosing before we even realize you say, surely at that age they will not begin to choose these things. But yes, they do, very early on. They begin to choose these things before they ever go to public school. And so we, what we want is, and what we so desire intensely, is that this place within them that is reserved for the Spirit of God and for the Word of God would then begin to be developed and grow, that they would become that new creation in Christ Jesus as they continue to say yes to His Word and will and spirit. That's all it is to become a new creation in Christ Jesus is continue to say yes to his word as his word comes. Continue to say yes to his word as applied by his spirit. That's what it is. It's not going through necessarily a little canned and I, I pardon me for saying it this way, but sometimes prayers can be canned. I'm not disparaging praying. and Obviously we would never do that. But sometimes we can go through these little routines and rituals to try to satisfy ourselves that our little ones are right before God. But what really makes them right before God is the decisions that they make when confronted with the truth applied by the Spirit of God. And that's happening all the time, every day, all the time. What they do based on the truth that they have and the truth that they have will be truth that they get through you and those who are the most important to them in their life. And if those people betray them to the spirit of the world, do I have to say, who will answer before God for that? You say, surely it can't be quite that serious. Is it all that serious? It is that serious and more. We must not betray them. We must nurture them We must raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And much of that is not just words that are spoken, but lives that are lived, examples that are set, and words that are spoken, and songs that are sung, and introductions to heroes. You know, on and on it goes. And for example, setting them down some evening in your home and putting on Ethel Waters, saying, his eyes on the sparrow, because I can guarantee you that she will communicate to the youngest member of your family. Absolutely. But guess what else is happening while she's communicating is the Spirit of Jesus is communicating. And that's really what it's all about. So, let me begin to read. It says, Do not love the world. Do not love the world. What do you mean, do not love the world? 
You shouldn't love the trees. You shouldn't love a football game. You shouldn't love a basketball game. No, that's not what it is. It's the spirit of the world. You have to separate if you're, get, if you're involved. And in, I'm just going to launch out into this. You like uh, sports. I do too. There's a big game coming on this evening. It's called the Super Bowl. And am I going to watch it? I plan on watching it. And unless I'm informed differently, I will actually watch it. And I enjoy watching it. And I've watched it from the very beginning. The first Super Bowl until this one, I've watched them all. I like them. But there's a lot about it. There's a lot about the whole thing that I, I have to put away. Get out of my face. Literally. Just as you see them do it and on the field, you know, get out of my face. I have to do that with a lot of things that are basically the spirit of the world. You can have a football game and you can play football without being loving the world or the spirit of the world. But the spirit of the world has so intertwined and so immersed itself in all of these things that you have to separate them. And you'll have to separate them for your children and your little ones. Because we don't just take ourselves and, and take ourselves out of the world. We live in the world. But we can't be of the world that we live in. We're in it, but not of it. So there has to be this separating of things. There has to be this dividing that goes on. There has to be saying yes to some things and no to other things. There's a certain attitude that is expressed now in hockey games. Do I like hockey games? I like good hockey games. Just ordinary hockey games? No. They used to be better than they are now, although the talent is better now than it ever was. But there's something that's come into the whole sport that is abominable to me. It's an abomination to the sport. And I have to separate that stuff. I have to say no to that stuff. Sometimes it's so pronounced in a game that I have to turn the game off. And if the Super Bowl that I begin to watch later today, if it comes on, like there's a lot of stuff that's going to be on there at the beginning, there's a lot of stuff going to be on there at halftime, am I going to be watching that? Not a chance. I'm looking for good athletic plays. I'm looking for the strategies of the coaches. I'm looking for the execution of the players. Football as a game is a marvelous game. It's kind of like a metaphor, if you like, or an example of life. A lot of good things involved in a good football game. But the spirit of the world has immersed itself so thoroughly in everything that is said and done. And my concern is that grandmas and mums and dads, grandmas and grandpas, are not setting the kind of example for their little ones so that the little ones understand, hey, even though we participate in some things here because we're in the world, but we can't be of those things. There's certain things we have to divide and, and separate. And the little one's going to say, why is that? Because it is in opposition to the spirit of Jesus. It's in opposition to the spirit of truth. So he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There is a kind of loving of the world and the spirit of the world that renders the love of God impossible. Oh, I love God, and, and I also love all these things that are of the world and the worldly spirit. It's not possible. 
So therefore, the only God that a person could love, and loving the spirit of the world at the same time, the only God they could love would be a God of their own making. It could not be the God of the Bible. It could not be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It could not be the God of the universe who created all things by his word. Because to love him makes it impossible to love the spirit of the world. Best thing you could ever do or we could ever do for those little ones that we set the example for is to live this out righteously, rightly as it ought to be lived out. And that's not being done. It's not being done adequately and this is a big deal. Because eternal destinies are at stake on this. Eternal destinies are at stake on this. Let me continue to read. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. There are certain things that are going to be and are about to pass away. Now, I think I started to say that this year, 2020, is going to be a very eventful year in so many different ways, in the spiritual spiritual realm, but also in the natural realm, in terms of there are going to be things that occur in 2020 that are going to be like a sea change of events. They're that significant. Not just things that influence other events, but things that actually reverse the direction. I know that. I'll, be, I'll not be more specific this morning than that. But this is just a very, very important year. When this year closes, there will be people that we do not, there will be people that we fellowship with and rub shoulders with and speak to who will no longer be with us when this year closes. In the political realm, there will be tremendous changes that will occur during this year. This is a very, very important year. And my, and my sense is that we need to come really back to the basics. We need to come back to these fundamental things in order to be able to navigate successfully through the difficulties that this year is going to begin to present to us in a way like never before. Deception, deception, this whole thing of this idea of believing something that appears to be right but in fact is not. Being deceived so that we believe something that's false. And fail to believe that which is true because of deception. The power of deception is increasing tremendously and we're going to see that continue to increase exponentially as this year progresses. And so these wonderful inspired words, I simply read them with you and ask the Spirit of God to apply them to us and deep within us. Give us eyes to see. Give us a wisdom that we're in danger of losing if we don't eagerly grasp it and apply it. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, the 
Antichrist. Definite article here. The Antichrist. He's coming. You've heard that he's coming. Not here yet. He's coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. So there are many Antichrists, and the Antichrist spirit is a spirit in opposition to Jesus. And there are many Antichrist spiritual manifestations. They're all in opposition to Jesus, and they're all Antichrist with a small a, but they're the Antichrist with a capital A is coming. So he said, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. John believed this is the last hour, the last age, the last hour, last period of time. It's certainly true now. He said, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out. That they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. He said, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth. Here's this. You have this anointing, he said. He said, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. See that? There's that knowing on the inside. You know the truth. I'm writing and saying these things because you know them. I'm not writing to you because, you see, the Holy Spirit, the world cannot receive. Jesus said, whom the world cannot receive. John is saying, you know him, but I'm writing about him. Again, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Messiah? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So therefore the key to the Father is always through the Son. Always through the Son of God. The key to the Father. Then he said, Therefore let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. Now that is very, very important. He said, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Let it continue in you. He said, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, continues to reside in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Now, words have meaning. He's talking about a continuum, a continuation. Continuing to abide. And letting that truth you've received from the beginning continue to abide in you and as you do you also will continue to abide in the son and in the father have you ever asked yourself what does it mean to compromise with the spirit of the world am i compromising with the spirit of the world and do i have a clear understanding of what that means do i you know with all due respect the christian the christian life as i understand it is not a is not a religion where somebody stands such as I'm doing now and tries to dictate to people what they should think and how they should live. That's not what it is. It's not a dictatorship. What people do who stand in a position such as I am 
right now at the moment are to encourage and to point out things that the believer already knows deep within them. Because if they are a believer, they will have the ability to know these things and it's to reaffirm them, to reinforce them, to encourage in them. But the truth is that each one of us has an obligation to receive from the Spirit of Truth Himself these things that we need in order to not compromise with the Spirit of the world. So if I were to stand and begin to list off a whole bunch of things, specific things, you should do this, you should not do that, you should do this other, I'm very reluctant to do that because I don't really think that's the role of a person who speaks on behalf of the Lord Jesus. I really don't. I think what it is is to remind the Lord's people because the person now, there's a difference between going out and evangelizing to people out in the world and actually speaking to the Lord's people to edify the body of Christ. My function is not to go out into the highways and byways per se as an evangelist. My function is more as a teacher within the body of Christ. It always has been. And that is to encourage and to instruct and to inform. But you cannot inform people in, in, in a, speak to a, a location in the, in the Lord's people that doesn't exist. You have to speak to a place that does exist. And that is the spirit and the, the spirit of your mind that you have as a follower of the Lord Jesus. And to say you are responsible. You are responsible for what you believe. You're responsible for what, the way you live your life. You are responsible for not walking and compromising with the spirit of the world. If you said to me, do you think that's happening? I'd say, yes, it is happening. I know it's happening. And it ought not to happen because there's too much at stake for it to allow it to happen. You think it's not serious? It's extremely serious. From time to time, I find myself communicating and speaking with people in various ways and platforms that don't seem to have the ability to reach out and to receive these kinds of truths at, these, at this kind of level. And time is rapidly running out. My grandmother Hodden used to pray that she asked the Lord for certain things before it's too late, and I I wonder, what does that mean, before it's too late? I used to think when I was a young boy that it meant before someone dies. But I think it's more than that. There was a time that the nation of Israel had an opportunity to listen to the words of Messiah when he came to speak to them, and then there came a moment when it was too late. See, there's always a time in people's lives when the ears are open, the ability to hear and understand is there. But then there will come a period of time when that door closes and they'll no longer be able to understand. Even though they hear, they'll no longer understand in their spirit. Well, that's too late. Do you know that their pews are literally filled with people that can no longer hear at the level that I'm talking about this morning? They can't hear at that level. Why? Because they have resisted it too often. Resisted it too much. Scar tissue is built up. 
in the spirit and they can not hear it now anymore. It's too late. They're still alive, haven't died, but it's too late. And we are we are in danger of approaching that in this very pivotal year of 2020 where many are coming close to this place where it's too late to hear the faith of our fathers. It's too late to hear the truth that the old timers, the old evangelists and preachers and pastors used to teach. There are very few preachers and pastors today who are proclaiming those old-time fundamental truths. Because people, for the most part, are not inclined to listen to them. He said, These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. He said, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. You do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. I'm going to come to a conclusion. And now, little children, abide in him. That when he appears, we may have confidence and be not ashamed before him at his coming. You know, he begins with saying, don't love the world or the things that are of the world. And now he says, Abide in him that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Let me close with a couple of thoughts. We kind of began this morning with Ethel Waters and she manifests this tremendous love of God and she speaks and you, you just can sense and I think maybe that's what... As, Motivated me, motivated me somewhat this morning to share a little bit on the focusing on the little ones and on the children is because when I listened to her early this morning, the outreach from her to the children was so direct that that's why I decided to kind of move in this direction somewhat today. The concern for them. And I'm just going to close by asking parents especially ask yourself what is the spirit of the world and am I comprom- are we compromising with the spirit of the world now are we are we compromising with the spirit of the world with regards to our little ones that we are raising in the nurture and admonition of the Lord as Christian parents ask yourself these questions don't say, you know, Dave Campbell thinks this or somebody else thinks that or the other person thinks something else. This is between you and Jesus, between you and the Lord. We all will give an account before him of everything that we have done, especially with the way we have influenced the lives of the most vulnerable ones that have been given to us. So I ask you to do that. And everyone who might Listen to this expression, these expression of thoughts for the last few minutes to ask themselves likewise the same question. 
Are we compromising with the spirit of the world? And what does it mean to compromise with the spirit of the world? And what is the spirit of the world? And how, in what ways does it manifest? And how can we be in this world, not of it? And what are our little ones receiving from us by way of our example that will be injurious and detrimental to their spiritual progress and to their ability to navigate through the perils that are just up ahead of us? And if they are immersed in the spirit of the world as they grow up from infancy, even in Christian homes, what choices will they make when they're 13, 14, 15, and 16 and go off to college a little bit later on? What choices will they make if they have become accustomed and feel very comfortable with the spirit of the world and don't know how to delineate between the spirit of the world and the spirit of Jesus? And they'll only know how to do that if they begin to learn that from their parents, grandparents, those whom they love, who are about them. I could say this morning as I close, thus, I know I'm saying some of these things, but I could say beyond that, I could say as we close, thus saith the Lord. Amen.